Coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field, it's the Derek Izzy Show. Making history his story, Derek Izzy. You're listening to The Derek Izzy Show. Welcome back for another month of this great podcast. Let me get you started by telling you to go to the swag store and order something. Why? Because we have a limited selection of Derek Izzy Show merchandise and you can get a 10% discount on anything you order. That is true. 10% off just by being a loyal listener to the Derek Izzy Show. Just place your order, click on the link in the show notes, it'll take you directly to the swag store or if you're on DerekIzzy.com, there are links there to get you to the swag store. Use promo code IZZY10, I-Z-Z-I-1-0, and you will get 10% off your order. We've got t-shirts, bumper stickers, mouse pads, cell phone covers, underwear, flip-flops, you name it. If there's anything you want, please feel free to suggest it, but we have a wide variety of items so you can show your support for the show. My recommendation would be the men's boxer briefs. I test all of the products before they actually hit the marketing team and go up for sale. And that happens to be my favorite item. They're very comfortable and you can wear them all day long, showing your support of the Derek Izzy Show. And now, the topic of today's podcast. Born on October 18th, 1848. The topic of our podcast was born in Massachusetts... He was the second child of a dry goods merchant, and his mom was a homemaker. Spending several years in Massachusetts, the family decided to up and move to Brooklyn, New York. This was where the topic of our podcast ended up with a lot of siblings. And it was common back then for families to be much larger. So he grew up around several brothers and sisters. Family had a total of 12 children. And they were a very active family. One of the favorite activities that he used to engage in with his friends as a child was visiting the beach. As a young teenager, he would go to the beach with friends and they loved to throw seashells into the ocean. One of the fascinating things that he observed as a teenager was that when you throw these seashells, they would actually curve through the air. If you can picture a seashell in your head, it's kind of got that circular shape to it, but it's kind of flat on one end. And he noticed as he threw it through the air, he could make it do some weird things. This was an experience that would stick with the topic of our podcast. As he grew up, started playing sports, baseball was the sport of choice for this young boy. Having remembered that experience on the beach, He wondered if he could make a baseball 
behave in the same way as the seashells did. This kind of started the idea in his head. He started experimenting with a baseball. Can you make it spin a certain way? How do you change the angle? Can you do something with your wrist? Do the laces on the ball make it act in a certain way? He grew up in a time where baseball was a popular sport, but there weren't any professional baseball players. This was the mid-1800s, so there were very few pro sports at that time. But he loved baseball, and he would begin to make a name for himself on an amateur baseball team. At the age of 17, he would make his debut on the baseball field. This was a sport that he absolutely fell in love with. He was a natural-born pitcher. In fact, during his season as a 17-year-old in 1865, he had a record of 37 wins and 2 losses. That's pretty amazing as a pitcher. Two years later, the topic of our podcast would start to see success with what he had originally thought of as a teenager, making that baseball change directions. Combining a rolling motion from the fingers to maximize the amount of spin on the ball, rolling it off the second finger of his hand, accompanied by a violent twisting of the wrist, the topic of our podcast was able to make the ball curve through the air and suddenly change directions. Years of brainstorming and experimenting had finally evolved into a real pitch. It was October 7th, 1867. His Brooklyn Excelsior Club would be going against the Harvard College team. He was quoted as saying, A surge of joy flooded over me that I shall never forget. I felt like shouting out that I'd made a ball curve, but I said not a word and saw many a batter at that game throw down his stick in disgust. Now back then... Pitchers were required to throw underhanded, and the way he threw his curveball was more with a straight arm, swinging perpendicularly by his side, and as those rules slowly changed over the years, that opened up the curveball. Players would face this pitcher, and when he threw his curveball, they thought it was a normal pitch, and then as soon as they began to swing, because the ball would break downwards, they would hit the ball right into the ground, or miss it completely. Batters started to become frustrated. And the success of the topic of our podcast started to get noticed. This new pitch made him the most dominant pitcher in the country. Nobody had seen this before. Batters would have to learn how to hit it and how to recognize it coming at them. The topic of our podcast would then go on to have several winning seasons back-to-back. The first professional baseball circuit would come out in 1871. The topic of our podcast would play that year. In fact, before the 1872 season started, he had signed contracts with three different ball clubs. Back then, it was extremely rare for batters to strike out, but the topic of our podcast struck out 45 batters that year. Across 53 games, he had a record of 33 and 20, and with 45 strikeouts, he was number two in the league with strikeouts. As he was noticed, money started coming in. Teams were trying to get him by offering him more money to play with them. He continued to post winning records every year, and back then, 
he was pitching the entire game. He wasn't pitching, you know, four or five innings and then the relief pitcher comes in or teams didn't work that way. Your pitcher would be in the game and they would pitch the entire game from start to finish. As it got later into the 1870s, other pitchers would start to learn the curveball and they would soon catch up to the topic of our podcast. By 1874, the topic of our podcast was now 25 years old, and on June 15th in 1874, he made headlines by striking out six Chicago White Stockings in a row. Yeah, they were called the White Stockings back then. Other pitchers continued developing their own versions of the curveball, and while many other pitchers tried to duplicate it, it was probably about 20 years before someone was able to do it as well as the topic of our podcast. His baseball career would continue, 1876-1877. He became the first pitcher to pitch two complete games in one day, his own doubleheader. As he jumped from team to team, he still seemed to maintain his winning record until about 1877. That's when batters really started to catch on and learn how to hit this infamous curveball and it was then where his winning record seemed to come to an end the topic of our podcast was so thin and small once batters started to catch on to this curveball that was really all he had he didn't have the size or strength to overpower the batters and after playing high level baseball for about 10 years his arms started to wear down he was pushed back to the amateur ranks He continued to play up until the 1880s. He ended up retiring and opened a paint and wallpaper company, which he ran for more than 30 years. Over the next several decades, there were challenges to his claim to be the inventor of the curveball. And while there were several different players that had their own version of of this curveball, History really points to the topic of our podcast as being the true inventor because of the wrist motion, because of the break in the ball, because of the use of the fingers in the throw. He was the first pitcher to combine everything into one motion. In the early 1900s, the topic of our podcast finally retired from his paint and wallpaper business, and he moved to Ohio to live with his son. On May 16th, 1924, the topic of our podcast died. Fifteen years later, on May 2nd, 1939, he was elected into the Hall of Fame. One of the little things that he invented that he was maybe not so well known for was the invention of a railway coupling device. There was already a device in use at the time, but in 1873, the topic of our podcast He improved that design, and then in 1877, he finally got the patent for it. He was able to make a little bit of money off of this, because there wasn't much money in pro baseball back then. But it seems that his paint and wallpaper store seemed to do well, and he retired with a nice life. The curveball is one of the most popular pitches in modern-day baseball. Back then, they didn't have the advantage of throwing overhanded pitches. Who knows what would have happened then had the topic of our podcast been able to throw overhanded. But the topic of our podcast, the inventor of the curveball, 
was none other than William Arthur Cummings. But you may know him as Candy Cummings. Candy being a term that was popular in the Civil War time for a man who was the best at his craft, the master of the curveball, Candy Cummings. Because now you know the rest of the story. I want to thank everyone for listening. Tune in next month as we explore a scary case of someone who was burned to death. In the meantime, get all your swag from the Derek Izzy Show Swag Store. Enjoy promo code IZZY10 for your 10% discount. Click on the link in the show notes or on DerekIzzy.com. I'm telling you, order a pair of those men's boxer briefs. Those are awesome. Support the Derek Izzy Show by buying out the eSwag Store. 10% off. Izzy10. Good day. Good day.